Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Breakfast in the class is dedicated in loving memory Nishmat Meir Ben Le'ah. Alava Shalom, sponsored by his grandson Meir Shwai, and as well, uh, dedicated in loving memory of Naftali Gad, Alava Shalom, Lilunishmat Naftali Ben Le'ah, Benisan Gad, beloved husband of Shifra Gad, father of Michael and Joseph Gad, Lily Ishai, and, uh, and Peggy Dahan. Rabbi I want to speak just uh, for today about a, a fascinating, um, what's it called? A fascinating tofa'ah, an occurrence that happens, unfortunately, with many and many of the people that we interact with, and therefore it's something that we need to be aware of in our own selves and also in the world, in the world around us. The Pasuk te- says, Vayakum melech chadash amisraim, and a new king uh, ascended upon Egypt, asher lo yada et Yosef, who did not know Yosef. That's what the Pasuk says. A new king arrived that did not know Yosef. Rabotai, I want to stress. Think about how odd this is. Yosef has not died that many years prior. Right? We know that from the time that the, the Shibud started, it was be only when the last of the Shivatim died. But the discrepancy between Yosef's death and the brother's death is not all that long. Now, this is not just any Jewish person. This is not just any government official. This is the person that saved the entire country. In fact, because of Yosef's plan to save the food during the years of famine, it turned into a regional superpower. So, you know, today we are aware of all the names of the people who made a huge difference to this country. Even if you want to think about in American history, of someone who did something for the country, everybody knows the name of Paul Revere. Who's Paul Revere? Some guy who rode a horse once. Now, if you think about that, what did he do? So he came and he ran and rode the horse. The British are coming, the British are coming. So he told us that the British are coming. That helped the American Revolution. That helped build the country. So now, even though from 1776 till now, very, very, very long time. But at the same time, we still remember the guy who was instrumental in allowing for the uh, for the strength and power of this country to grow. Could you imagine someone that over many, many years turned the country into a superpower like Yosef? How could there be a national amnesia, an ability to collectively forget Yosef Hasadik? How could that be? Our rabbis explained to us, Asa atzmo ki it doesn't mean that he didn't know Yosef. It meant that he didn't care to know Yosef. He, uh, he, in his, in his, uh, in his deeds and in his speech and in his uh, policies, he made himself as if he didn't recognize and he was not grateful for what Yosef uh, uh, had done. And Rabutai, our uh, 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 midrash explains to us in the name of Rabbi Avin. That Bore Olam said, when this king stood up and said, I'm forgetting Egypt, Bore Olam said, I'm going to remember that. Because today, you don't forget. Today, you don't remember what Yosef did for you. Tomorrow, you're not going to remember what I did for you as your God. And indeed, we see that this person who initially chooses not to recognize Yosef, ultimately, when Moshe Rabbeinu comes uh, and he says, God of the Jewish people says to let the Jewish people out, he says, Mi Hashem Who is this God? It is indeed true that our Chachamim, they tell us that when someone is not uh, 
grateful. They don't show gratitude. And hakarat talk to somebody who does them a favor, a friend, denying the good that your friend does you is an, an, an element, a denial of Borei Olam himself. Where else do we find this concept? That being ungrateful to a human being uh, makes you ungrateful to God. We find it with, the, with regards to the pasuk of honoring a person's parents. The pasuk says, right? Honor your father and your father, your mother and your mother. And the end of the pasuk says, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. Literally, one of the ways we translate that is that Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm the one that knows in your heart of hearts, if you show them respect. I'm the one who knows when you say to your dad that you're too busy, are you really too busy? Or are you too busy playing uh, Animal Crossing? You know, what is it? What do you really mean when you're too busy? That's the literal interpretation of Ani Hashem. But another other way of understanding it, our rabbis explained to us, is that, honor your parents. Because I know that if you don't honor them, ultimately, you won't honor me either. How is it possible to draw a parallel between a person's parents and HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Maybe the reason why a person is not honoring his parents is because maybe they weren't the best parents. I know parents don't like to hear that, but maybe, maybe they weren't. Maybe they didn't show affection and care. Maybe they weren't present. You know, maybe they uh, stepped on their dreams, etc., etc. How can you compare a person's honor to their parents to their honor of God? Rabbi Tai, we learned a seminal lesson in this week's parasha. When Moshe Rabbeinu was asked to come in and do the miracles, so we know that anything involving the earth or the water, Moshe Rabbeinu did not participate in carrying out the miracles by hitting the water or the sand. And the Gemara explains the reason for that is because the sand had done him a good turn when he came to when he had to bury the Egyptian, and the uh, water had done him a good turn when he was put in the water uh, to be able to come down uh, to, to be saved by the daughter of Paro. Rabotai, we see from here a tremendous lesson. Number one, we see that the idea of Hakarat Atov stretches even to somebody that didn't intend you to do you a good turn, a good, uh, a good deed. What do I mean by that? Sometimes you find a person, um, you know, and uh, the guy does you something, he does something good for you, but you tell yourself, listen, the guy was, he was driving down uh, Fifth Avenue anyway. I didn't take him out of his way. I got in his car with him. I got out at a red light. It didn't take him one extra second. I have to show Akarat at all for that. Right? Someone, uh, you go to someone and you invest, uh, you invest uh, 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 together in a business deal. You say to yourself, listen, this guy's investing in a deal. He's doing it for himself. He's going to ultimately make profit on the deal. You know, this is why. If it wasn't a good deal, he wouldn't invest in it. So I don't owe him any gratitude because he invested in my business deal. This is something that he did for his own benefit. We learn from the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu shows Hakarat Atov to earth and to water that don't have the possibility of having Kavanah, of having intention, that even if something happened in the most natural way, even if something happened organically, even if something happened that didn't cost them anything, did it make a difference to the sand that it was covering the Egyptian, not covering the Egyptian? Did it make a difference to the water? The water was rippling anyway, moving, you know, waves like to the shore. Anything that happened with them was going to happen anyway. But we owe Akarat Atov anyway. And why? The reason is very powerful. Rabotai, we like to think that everything that we do in our lives is governed by our brains. We think and therefore we act. 
I want to do this, therefore I do that thing. But actually, there's a much more powerful player in the deeds of people, and that is the habits that they create. If I'm a person that notices and is aware of all the things that I do, then that makes an impact on my habits to the point that they then continuously come up in, uh, in all different scenarios. So if I'm a person that allows myself to get angry at things that I should be getting angry at, ultimately what will happen is that I've let myself become a person that gets angry. And then I'll get angry at things that I shouldn't. Rabotai, if I'm someone that is arrogant over someone who's lower than me, eventually I will become arrogant over someone who is my equal. Eventually I will become arrogant over someone who is my superior. Because the habits of a person, they have a habit of repeating themselves even when they don't logically make sense. So when Moshe shows an act of gratitude to an inanimate object, to something that didn't intend to show him gratitude, that imbues him with the character trait of Hakarat HaTov in cases where it is relevant. So we have to be very careful on the habits that we, uh, that we bring about in our life because um, they'll show up even in places where they shouldn't. So the king that doesn't remember Yosef ultimately, eventually, doesn't remember God. A person who doesn't show respect to his parents ultimately won't show respect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why it's such a powerful thing, this idea of HaKarat HaTov. Now it's an interesting phenomenon that sometimes the people that we least show gratitude to are the people that we need to show the most gratitude to. In fact, one time the Khatam Sofer was attacked by someone in the community, treated very badly. To the point the Khatam Sofer came up to the guy and he says, you know, I'm struggling to remember. The man says, what are you struggling to remember? He says, you treated me this way. Nobody treats me this way. I'm struggling to remember. I can't figure out why you're treating me this way. Have I ever done you a favor that you should treat me this way? The opposite, right? Psychology. Because so many times, when a person does a person a favor, suddenly they find why. It is human nature, Rabotai, to want our independence. It is human nature to want to believe that we are all capable. But unfortunately, when we're faced by people who have done us an act of kindness, we can't wait to get rid of that feeling that I can't do it by myself. So much so that the Gemara says, Eved loveh, Slavery has been abolished in this world, Baruch Hashem, to a large degree. However, There's one kind of a slave that still exists, and that is the slave of a borrower to his lender. Because when you look at this person, you realize, I could not exist without this person. I could not make this wedding. I could not do this business deal. I could not buy my house that person becomes an Eved. And which Eved wants to be an Eved? So what do you do? You try and overthrow. You have to work very hard to come up with reasons that make the person who did a favor to you into a horrible person. Oh, look at the guy. He has to make me feel terrible. He's so into his ego. The only reason why he lent me the money is because he likes to see me squirm. Really? That's the only reason. The guy only gives tzedakah for applause. You know what? He could get applause and not give tzedakah. You know, uh, that trick was learned a long time ago. You know what people who want applause but don't want to give tzedakah do? They pledge money. <laughs> you got the applause, you didn't have to pay nothing, right? You know? So the way I owe it, it means that the guy's paying off his tzedakah. He lent you the money. That means 
that uh, he actually wanted to have. So, um, Rabbi we're learning from here the power of, uh, of, of Hakarat Tov. I want to share with you an unbelievable story of, uh, what's it called, of uh, Rabbi Arya Levine. When Rabbi Arya Levine was a young man, so he came to the yeshiva of Rav Baruch Ber. And Rav Baruch Ber realized that this boy was an unbelievable, powerful uh, uh, student. He had an unbelievable power to, to remember, uh, to deduce. His, his, uh, he was very holy, very pure. This was ultimately going to become the Sadiq of Yerushalayim. So Rav Baruch Ber, the Rosh Yeshiva, took this little young boy and he started learning the Chavruta with him. He brought him under his wing. And the boy flourished tremendously. After a short amount of time, when they became very close, the student came to his Rebbe. Rav Arya came to Rav Baruch Ber and he said to him, I'm really sorry, I need to leave. He says, where do you, you go? He says, I have to go, I'm going to another yeshiva. Rav was crushed. This is his student, this is his prized pupil. He had such hopes. They were going to study together for many years. He was going to raise him. He was going to mold him into the into person, maybe even to take over his own yeshiva. He says, how could you leave? Why are you leaving me? The boy mumbles uh, an apology. I'm really sorry. Uh, you know, I feel like I need to go there. The rabbi is devastated. Rav Arya Levine said later on in his life that he could feel at the time Rav Baruch Ber was hurt. He could feel... And he knew that there would be consequences about the fact that a, a holy Sadiq was, ups, was upset. And he says, and I lived to see and to taste the unfortunate events in my life that I can draw as a direct parallel to that moment. So they asked him, so then why did you leave? He says, I left because of Hakarat Atov. He said, every day at the time, Yeshiva students had no money. Yeshivas had no money. How did they survive these boys? There was something called Essentech. They would go to people's houses to eat. They would stay in people's homes. They would put them up in an extra bedroom they had. They would feed them like they were a member of the family. And the family would get the zechut of the Torah of this young man that they sustained during his years uh, as a bachur in yeshiva. The family Rav Arya was with, uh, they took a liking to him. They loved him. How could you not like such a wonderful young man? And one day, the father of this ha- of this household sat Rav Arya down. He says, "Listen, young man, I see you're doing really well in yeshiva. It's very important to me. I could see that you have a bright future. You're very smart. I want you to start studying, you know, the sciences, medicine. I want you to start studying this, that, law, literature. You should really broaden your horizons. I can see that you're someone." Who's so bright, you can make a future for yourself, you could be a very big businessman. And Rav Ari Levine realized after that one conversation, he realized that if he stayed there, this guy would, this would be a topic of conversation all the time. And he knew that this was not something that he wanted to do. He wanted to become a rabbi, Rosh Shiva, ultimately like the leader that he did become. But he understood that this young man, this young father, it wasn't something that he valued truly and understood. So it would mean that all the time, the person that was feeding him, the person that was housing him, would be asking him for something that he was going to be unable to do. He said, for the sake of that alone, I could not remain in the yeshiva. I had a chavruta, but how can I take from someone and take from someone and take from someone? And when they asked me to do something, not do it. 
I had to remove myself from that situation. I had to pay the price of the wrath, of the upset, of the hurt that it caused my rabbi, because I knew that my rabbi would understand that it was coming from the right place. And Mutai, such is the requirement of a person in, uh, in, in Hakarat HaTov. You know, I'll end with this. It was once a young student that, came, that was approached by the Mashkiach, Rav Chatzk Levenstein, who was a giant of Musar, you know, in, uh, in character development. His Sefarim are unbelievable. You can read them to still today. They are fantastic. He calls a student in and he says, could you please ask this and this boy from the yeshiva, could you ask him to go get me my coat? The guy says, listen, I'm not really sure. I think the, yeshiva, the boy is not here now. I think he's in the dormitories on the other side of town. He's not in the yeshiva. He says, but Rebbe, tell me where your coat is. I'm more than happy to get it. He says, no, it's downstairs. But I don't want you to get it. He says, would you mind telling that boy to get me my coat? Student thinks, what is it? He says, Rebbe, your coat's downstairs. You want me to go across town to tell the guy to, tell, to come back here to get the coat? He says, he, he said, the rabbi says, I'm not in any rush. Not in any rush. He doesn't need to come now. Whenever he comes, let him bring me my coat, whenever it is. The boy's rap, but I'm here. I want, I'm happy, to, I want to go get it for you. I would have to go get the other guy. I'm going to get it for you. Rabbi says to the boy, he says, thank you so much for offering. He says, but you don't understand. He said, that young man, he did me a favor. It was a long time ago, and it was something very small. But I have not yet found the right opportunity or the right way to show him my gratitude, my hakaratatov. And I'm terrified that I might forget that I owe him a thank you of that level. So I thought to myself, how could I make sure that I remember? I'll ask him to do another tiny favor when he's in the yeshiva anyway, get me my coat. And that way I'll be reminded and I'll come to my office and he'll bring me the, and then I'll remember to be able to do to him. He says, if I let you get my coat, then I owe another person akaratatov. <laughs> then I know he goes, that was defeats the whole purpose, you know? You see how careful our sadiqim, our rabbis were to ensure that if someone did something for them, that they showed them the full measure of gratitude, of hakaratatov, of recognition for everything that they did. Rabotai, I just want to share with you, the lack of hakaratatov is ultimately a person's undoing. You see, what begins the story in Egypt of the subjugation of the Jews, it Yosef, didn't know your Joseph. So the subjugation of the Jews begins by the king forgetting the kindness that Joseph had done for the country of Egypt. Rabutai, what is the final nail in the coffin for the Egyptian people and for its entire regional supremacy, for its power as a world player? Is when the Jews leave Egypt, they go into the ocean. And all of the Egyptian army is drowned. That's the final nail in the coffin. When the Jews leave, after all the makot, Paro gathers the remaining uh, you know, horses and military, and they all drown the Yamsuf. Rabotai, let's look carefully. We'll see a diamond here. When the Jews came to the ocean, and the ocean wouldn't split, Hayam ra'a vayanos. 
The sea saw, and it ran. What does it mean it ran? Ask our chazal, ask our rabbis. Answers the Gemara. What did it see that it ran? Arono shel Yosef. Nas mitpne nas. It ran from in front of one who ran. Yosef also in the house of Potiphar, he ran away from his, the, the master's wife of Potiphera. So when it saw him, it ran in front of the one that ran. You read that, you think, oh, it's just a you know a play on words. Nas, nas, azakubaruk. Nas, nas, Nescafe, Nestle, wonderful. No, that's not what we're saying, nas, 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 nas. What we're saying over here, Rabotai, is unbelievable. You know why they all drowned? You know why Egypt descended into the depths of the watery grave? Because there was someone they owed their greatness to. Who was that? Yosef. They forgot Yosef and subjugated the Jews. The king and his entire Egypt is going to drown from the Aronoshel Yosef that causes the waters to part. Why? Because just as a person is punished for an act, of lack of hakaratatov, so too are they rewarded for an act of hakaratatov. Yosef, why did he run away from the wife of Potiphar? Why didn't he just shove her off of him? Why, why didn't he just run? Why didn't he start screaming? Because he felt it's going to humiliate his boss who treated him well. He says he does everything well for me. I'm going to, I'm going to beat up his wife. I'm going to, even if she's trying to, even if it means being in prison, Yosef understands. The ma'ala of hakaratatov. So when faced with either Yosef, who was nas mipnei nas, who showed hakaratatov, versus the Egyptian people, ve'yakom melech hadash ha'misraim, she lo yadayet Yosef, what happened? Nas mipnei nas, and the Egyptians drown in the ocean that splits for the person who has true hakaratatov. Look for opportunities to show your gratitude. Run from opportunities uh, that cause you to, put you to be put in a position uh, where your gratitude is either going to be tested or lacking or not good enough. Amen. Amen. Amen.